the Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others, is pleased to present the C4SO Podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO, a diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Welcome, everybody, to the C4SO podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternke, and Lent has begun. C4SO's focus during Lent this year is called A Healing Lent, Practices for Post-Traumatic Growth Through a Pandemic. And we're going to be examining the effect that COVID has had on our lives. We'll be talking with guests about how COVID has impacted their lives, their leadership, their families, their faith communities over these last two years. We'll be taking an inventory of our lives uh, during this Lent with the hope of coming into a new season marked by resurrection during Eastertide. Our guest today in this first episode uh, during Lent is the Reverend Dr. Kurtley Knight. He is an assistant professor of spiritual formation at Portland Seminary of George Fox University and serves as the assisting priest at Church of the Vine in Newburgh, Oregon. Uh, Kurtley, welcome to the C4SO podcast. Hey, nice to be with you, Ben. Uh, it's good to uh, it's good to be here. Yeah. Uh, what else should we know about you before we dive in? If, besides your official bio. Yeah, um, I think you should know. So I, I I've been married for a little over twelve years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have no kids, um, and my wife is is Texan, uh, okay. and so I'm an adopted Texan now. All right. Uh, yeah, is that it, how that works? Yeah, <laughs> it's taken me a while, but I, I claim I claim Texas. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Well. Um, Besides that, I'll say I'm a. I call myself a Canada Bamian, meaning I'm oh. I'm from Canada originally, Toronto. Okay. okay. But I grew up in Alabama. Oh. And lastly, I think I'll say um, something to know about me is that I am a die. I love all things sci-fi. And I am a die-hard uh, Trekkie. I mean, I okay. am a die-hard Trekkie. All uh, right. I could totally nerd out on Star Trek. Okay, Star Trek. <laughs> All right. Do you get in? Do you get into the Star Trek versus Star Wars? Like, do you get into that controversy? No. Or do, you, do you feel like that's like an invented yeah. thing that doesn't really exist? I mean, I, I like both of them. Okay. But yeah. I um, but I know all things Trek a bit more. So yeah. I I respect Star Wars. I like Star Wars. I'm just not as nuanced. Yeah, uh, yeah, with Star yeah. Wars as I am in Star Trek. Yeah. Well, Star Trek feels like it's a bit more um, kind of like proper, not proper in the sense of like, it's like, uh, yeah, I guess I would say proper, but like it's sci-fi proper. It feels like sci-fi proper. Star Wars feels like there's fantasy elements to it. Right. Where it's like, okay, this galaxy is a long ways away. Like, how does this relate to Earth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Star yeah, yeah, Trek yeah, yeah. is more like, this is Earth. It's just in the future. Yeah, yeah, and we're yeah. projecting what might happen, you know, if scientific and the technology and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And no, that's a really good point. And it's a, if you, you know, the whole United Federation of Planets, it's kind of like democracy. Right. Um, there's a little bit of right. a sociological perspective, you know, thing right, going on. Is, yeah, that yeah. democracy, in a sense, is kind of spread around the, the galaxy. Right. And it's, right. it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I find it interesting too. Uh, clearly, uh, we could maybe nerd out, yeah. uh, but that's that's not that's not what this podcast is for. So, we'll, um, well, that's good to know. So, you're you're uh, you're a Canadian. What did you call it? Canadian Bamian. Uh, yeah, I call myself a Canadian Bamian. A Canadian Bamian, adopted into Texas, yeah. living in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> that's it. 
<laughs> that, right. That's it. Maybe I need to add a uh, Canada Bama text. I got to figure Canada out. Canada Bama text. Uh, yeah. I got to get that in yeah. there somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Something. <laughs> Very good. Uh, well, good. That's, that's all fun uh, uh, background. Good to know about you. Well, we are talking uh, with you today about an article um, that you wrote uh, recently for Renovare called Spiritual Leadership in an Age of Disorientation. And um, you start that article with a story about your church transitioning back indoors uh, with your church community. You've been in parks up until then. Um, but there was something that you that you guys did specifically, um, a, a, an act, a, a um, I think it was during a worship service or something right, like that, but right. um, that kind of helped you transition uh, from this season of being outdoors, worshiping in parks, uh, kind of wandering around, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and then and then moving indoors. Can you tell that tell that story about what you guys did? Yeah. Um, so as you just mentioned, Ben, we had been um, since the pandemic started pivoting to parks and then mm-hmm. even Zoom when it was you know raining up here in the Pacific Northwest and we couldn't do the park thing. And um, so the rector and I, Sean, uh, our rector, Father Sean, Sean Flannery, we got together and we were about to transition to an indoor space to where we're meeting now in the center of Newburgh, actually. And, mm-hmm. but we, we talked about how are we gonna mark this transition? Because the congregation had been moving from, you know, park to park to park to park I mean, sometimes pivoting Sunday, you know, the morning of. And so um, we had to find a way to mark that we were transitioning from the outside, you know, into indoors, into our new permanent space. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we thought about uh, this thing of let's, you know, we thought about Ebenezer, right? So let's, how do we commemorate what Mm -hmm. God has done? Because God mm. has done a, a whole bunch during the course of the pandemic. Yeah. And so what we did was at the end of that morning's liturgy, we when we processed out, I think during the offering times, we'd given everybody rocks. And then at the end of the liturgy, we processed out. And then there at the end, we had a short, um, uh, you know, we had a short prayer together. And then we mm. told everybody, go behind the altar and put down the rocks that 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 you uh you know that that you have and this Mm. is a memorial of of what so that whenever you come here to this park with your family which people do as a state park so whenever Mm -hmm. you walk by this park you're jogging you're biking you're picnicking whatever Mm. there's a spot there that that names and that recognizes that the people of God, our parish, met here in this spot, mm. and and God, God was with us, and this was the spot that He did it. Mm. Um, and so, um, but but I'll, I'll say that that whole that whole ritual that we did that day worked. In a, mm. worked. I, I kind of even hate that word, but it was <laughs> effective. It was meaningful yeah. Yeah. because of the story that mm-hmm. um that Sean uh that we had been telling around this idea of wilderness wandering. Yeah. We'd been telling it for a while. So it was just really the end or transition yeah. of the wandering. Yeah. Yeah. So um let's talk a bit about the the telling of that story. You know, in the in this article you talk about the importance um for leaders to be able to name 
spiritual reality yeah. for people to be able to narrate um, the story that, that that gives meaning to the things that we're doing together as a community. So what do you mean by naming spiritual reality and why is that such an important leadership practice? Yeah. Um, what I mean by naming the spiritual reality, I think is um, it's, it's my belief that I think the primary role of pastoral and spiritual leaders is to help make spiritual sense, to help make sense of what we are experiencing. Hmm. Um, and so I think that's important because one, um, you know, the, the, if we don't do it, um, the culture is going to do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, like, you know, Disney is going to do it, is mm-hmm. going to, is going to tell us, um, or give us some tools or framework yeah. by which to yeah. understand our experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other reason I think so, so it's important because someone else is going to do it. So we have to make sure that we're, that we're doing it. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that, um, because of the times that we're living in, and I think just because of being a, a human being in a fallen world, there is a sense of, of especially during this time, sense of, of disorientation, of severe mm-hmm. disorientation. Yeah. Um, whether it's uh, uh, obviously the uh, all of the social, um, you know, things that have happened as of late, which of course we know have been going on since time. Obviously, the pandemic is extremely disorienting on top of still many of us recovering from the Great Recession. Then we throw in the current um, tragedy and urgent situation that's going on between Russia and, and Ukraine. Right. And so there's this sense, uh, at least I think, yeah. there's this sense that the world keeps shifting and changing so fast. And so within that, what is, mm. what is the role, our role as pastoral and spiritual leaders? And I think the role um, is, to, uh, is to help make or to cultivate, help make sense, spiritual sense of what's happening. Yeah. And what that does is I think that that gives us some grounding, some tethering to to the reality of God in our world. Yes, yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, that this um, this act of kind of leaving these stones in the park um, was was part of an overall narrative uh, that Sean had been um, giving to the church as as a leader. I wonder if you can give an example then of what you mean. Like how how did it work out uh, in your church? What right. what how did um, how did Sean and and other leaders? I'm assuming. Um, how did they name spiritual reality for you guys while you were meeting outdoors in a park? Yeah, it was, you know, Ben, it was so subtle. Hmm. It was really subtle. It's not like he got up there and gave some grand kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was it was subtle and it was consistent. So okay. what I mean by that is um, we would, let's say we're in the park um, I remember when I first, I heard it very early when I first joined the congregation in the summer of 2020. I heard it very early, um, and this was my first experience with the congregation because we had just mm-hmm. moved. But I heard the language, he would use the language of wilderness wandering. Mm-hmm. So on a Sunday, when we're gathering in this park with um, beautiful scenery around us, and um, he would just, 
he would kind of say from time to time, you know, we're in this wilderness wandering together. And it was fitting because we were actually in the wilderness, practically. (laughs) But it was also fitting because, of course, we are people that are entrenched in this story of God. So immediately we know um, that we are, um, you know, that our story is weaving in with this kind of grand biblical story. Mm. The the other thing that he did was, was, um, again, this is with a subtle note, he would give little, what I would call like little quips. Um, And so if, for example, I remember one Sunday, the park that we usually uh, worked in, worked in, we usually met in, Mm -hmm. um, we couldn't meet there because there was a wedding. And so uh, we had to pivot. We sent out a text uh, and we pivoted to another park. And then when we gathered, I remember that Sunday, he made a little joke like, I guess this is where the pillar of cloud has us today. <laughs> right? Yeah, and so it's yeah, just yeah. these these little, these little yeah. consistent drops. Yeah. Um, I think in the article I mentioned, I know the last park that we were in, uh, it was really beautiful. These, these oaks, we were kind of underneath a mm. canopy of oak trees. Mm-hmm. And every Sunday when we were in that park in particular, he would he would start off the kind of opening comments for the service with something like, look at what the Lord, the we say, he'd say something like, look at the cathedral that God has mm-hmm. given us today. Mm-hmm. And so it was these yeah. small little notes that yeah. while we're in this journey, it is God, God is the one who is leading us and providing yeah. for us. Yeah, it's beautiful. Gives people a sense, I'm hearing you talk about, gives people a sense that God is present among us. God is working among us. Um, This isn't just, well, I don't know, pandemic's still going on, so we can't go (laughs) inside. You know, like, uh, I don't know, I guess we got to meet outdoors. Like, there is some of that frustration that people feel, but also as a leader, being able to call people back to, you know what's also going on? Right. Is God is here. Right. God is speaking. Right. God has, you know, look at the cathedral that God has provided for us. We're we're here in nature. You know, we wouldn't have chosen this by ourselves. Right. You know, we wouldn't have thought this up. Hey, you know what we should do for two years? Right. Um, like nobody nobody would have thought up how you know having to work through a pandemic. But um, I hear I hear you narr- like talking about that the task of leaders is to be able to. Uh, find and narrate how God is present and working in the midst of these things uh, and drawing people back to faith uh, and, in that. And you know what? Yeah, actually, that's exactly what I'm saying. And you know what happened, Ben? What happened is, one, people then began to pick up that language. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I remember hearing um, people on the sound team or the setup team, they would say stuff like, like literally, like uh, a lot of weeks we would be setting up and they'd say, oh, guess the pillar of cloud decided let us have great weather today or, yeah, or you yeah, know, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And the other thing that happened is, and this was what amazed me about this congregation, and mm. I was still getting to know them, uh, still getting to know them really, is that there was an incredible nimbleness. Mm. So whenever yeah. we had yeah. to pivot, there wasn't a lot of, com- honestly, there wasn't a lot of complaining there, mm-hmm. there was an understanding, yes, this is COVID time, so, mm-hmm. you know, we're not going to, so it is what it is. But I, I, I also sense that there was a trust underneath there, yeah. that we can pivot and be nimble because yeah. we trust the hand of God in this. So there was yeah. a real trust that was happening. Yeah, that's really good. Um, <clears throat> you connect uh, ritual 
with narrative. So it's not just about, you know, what Father Sean says or about, you know, what the sound people are saying. It's not just about how we narrate the experience, but it's also about how we embody um, our, you know, our experiences, uh, walking through those things. And so right. y- you mentioned, you know, so this th- this naming of spiritual reality extends to our bodies. Right. It's not just, it doesn't just live in our minds. Right. And of course, you talked about this, you know, leaving of the stone, you know, which is this embodied ritual act. Um, can you talk a bit more about the importance of embodied ritual in this process of naming spiritual reality? Yeah, um, I think we are all part of, we all live and swim and eat and drink in a culture that less and less, um, uh, you know, kind of waters down the sense of transcendence. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, to a certain extent or not, I mean, we're almost all kind of like functional deists, uh, functional theists now, or maybe even functional atheists to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, so I think what, what the ritual does um, is, and of course we do it like every Sunday, right? Like the ritual right. of, of, of Eucharist. Eucharist. Yep. Um, what it does, I think, is it tangibly points us towards the transcendent. It tangibly mm-hmm. uh, gives us something we could touch, we could taste, we can see, what have you, points mm-hmm. us beyond ourselves to, yeah. to, as I say, this greater spiritual reality, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the reality. And, and yeah. I, I, you know, that sounds almost kind of abstract, but if you really think about it, for, um, for, for people of faith, I mean, is it really abstract? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we believe in faith, right? Yeah. That it is in fact real. So right. what we're doing in the ritual is yeah. we're only pointing back to what actually to what we already know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like in the park, we already know that in a sense, right? Like even without the narration, if you just ask the common person in the congregation, maybe mm-hmm. they would know, okay, yeah, God is with us. But right. Through the narration and both the ritual, we're reminding we're reminding them ourselves of mm-hmm. what of the truth that we already know, and the truth yeah. is that yeah. God is with His people. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I, I also hear in, in the article and and in what you're saying that there is a it's a way for us to participate in that reality. Right. Right. You right. know that the the bread the bread and the wine, uh, like if you don't eat and drink you you haven't you haven't participated right. you know what i mean if you don't eat like it's not enough to just sit in your seat and meditate on it right. and, f- and you have some warm fuzzies in your heart about right. it it's like no you you come forward and you eat it and you drink it like right. that is participating and as you do so you are receiving the body and blood of jesus right. now we don't know how that works right. but your your embodied the the embodied ritual is our participation in the transcendent. And and what it does then is it sparks a um I think it can spark in a sense our our memory. So mm-hmm. yeah. with Eucharist for example, you come and you partake and depending on whatever's going on in your life whatever, it might um not all the time but it might like spark something. Mm-hmm. Um, a, I don't know, I'm just making up something, a, uh, you know, a confession, you know, between yeah. you and God on the spot yeah. or, yeah. or the memory of your first Eucharist or whatever. But in this case, in it, with this ritual in the park, 
it was Ben. It was honestly amazing um, because it sparked, and I mentioned in the article, it sparked conversations. So hmm. I was I was standing there by the pile of rocks as people were were laying them down, and hmm. it was like I was surrounded by a cacophony of stories hmm. that were that were springing up of yes. people yeah. saying, "Oh, thank you so much for." you know, talking to somebody mm. else for, you know, this, when you came by the house three months ago and, you know, dropped off some food or thank yeah. you for this yeah. or one person coming up crying in tears saying, wow, I haven't cried at church in years. Mm. And it, and so it, it sparked something. Yes. And that's what I think the ritual can do. I think, again, it's pointing towards, right? Reminding yeah. us yeah. of something else that's going on. Yeah. it's great. As we, uh, as we approach the two-year mark here of the COVID pandemic, I think this uh, episode is going to come out. I mean, it's, it's coming right up here. Um, mid, <laughs> yeah, Mid-March, no, right? It's Mid-March crazy. is when we canceled all our services, 2020. It's crazy. Um, but as we approach that two-year mark, how, how would you want uh, to encourage our listeners to engage in maybe naming reality this Lent um, yeah. for themselves and for those they lead? Um, is there any encouragement that you would have for people? Yeah, I mean, I'd say um, to, you know, enter into um, your own suffering and the mm. suffering of your people. Like, mm. be present to that. What I mean by that mm. is, um, for example, uh, we are about to pivot back to, we're indoors now, but our mask mandate, we're like the last mandate, mask mandate in the country. Mm. Um, but our mask mandate's about to expire, and so we're going to be going maskless in, yeah. in inside. And one thing in a staff meeting I was really encouraged by just yesterday was that, um, you know, Father Sean's going to be going, there's a few people in the congregation who are a bit um, trepidatious about the, uh, about the, mm -hmm. the change. Yeah. And so he's going to go, and he's going to sit with them, and he's yeah. going to talk with them. Not mm -hmm. about hey, um, you know, uh, you know, just get your act together. But <laughs> but he said something in the meeting the other day which really stood out. He said, not only are they going to be facing um, this kind of situation in at COV at Church of the Vine, but now wherever they go into the grocery yeah. store, yeah. into yeah. the this place and that place, mm -hmm. and so walking alongside and being present to that to that mm -hmm. suffering, yeah. and and. I would hope and I would guess and think that helping them to see the presence of Christ even in the midst of of that challenge for them. What's the invitation? Yes. Yeah. So I think I think that's something that um that we can that we can do. But also I guess um you know to uh to continue to ask questions of ourselves, um, to ask questions of our people. When I say questions, I mean inviting questions. Um, I always like to ask, um, you know, what is the invitation there? Uh, what's the invitation? And so when we are uh, talking with our parishioners or when we're thinking about kind of our own struggles and challenges and sufferings during this Lent, uh, to be kind to ourselves and to just yeah. ask ourselves, hey, what's, currently? what's the invitation in that? Ben, what's the yeah. invitation in that? And invite a discernment. Yeah, cool. That seems uh, seems seems like good advice. I'll take it. Um, 
<laughs> uh, we'll conclude our, our episode here with two questions that I'm asking everybody yep. that comes on the C4SO podcast this year. And those two questions are, first one, what is a book, t- movie, or TV show that you have appreciated recently? Ooh. Hmm. What is a book, movie, or, or TV, TV show? show? <laughs> Mm-hmm. I won't. I won't say my TV show. You'll get my guilty pleasure. <laughs> um, what's a? Um, let me see. Um, something I've appreciated recently. Oh, oh, okay. Well, the book. I, I'll say a book. The book I've appreciated recently, and it's back here on my shelf. The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Oh. The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by Truman. Okay. Truman is the. Uh, his first name is Carl, I believe. Carl, Carl. Truman. Okay. I cannot stop telling people about this book. I mean, basically, he uh, really puts the story and narrative together of how, of the the kind of philosophical um, waters that we're swimming in and how we Mm. got here. Oh, it is brilliant. (laughs) Brilliant. And even if you disagree with his conclusions, Uh it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Great. Thank you for that. And the second question is this. How can we pray for you? Oh, great question. Um, how can you all, how can, how can, we, how can you pray for me? Um, we're still adjusting uh, to the Northwest, uh, you know, coming from Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my prayer request is that, um, that we would be, my wife and I, we, we would be... Um, open and attentive to the invitations, whatever the invitations are, right? Of the mm. spirit in the season. Okay. Um, so that would be that would be my that would be my prayer. Thanks for sharing that with us, Curtly. And thanks for sharing your thoughts today. Um, this uh, article is really helpful, I think. We'll put a link to this in the show notes, as well as the book that you found so helpful. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll be able to talk to you again real soon. Yeah, buddy. Thanks so much, Ben. Yeah, peace. Yep. Thanks for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.